Cause it's a pain A destiny child You know it will be rocking Cause it's flipping insane It's just a pain A destiny child More precious than a diamond On a platinum chain I feel it in my fingers I feel it in my toes The pick is all around us Let's listen to the show And this is The Pick We are your hosts, John Otney Colin Westman And Sean Lemmy The Pick is the podcast for every episode We pick a movie, we talk about it At the end of the episode, someone else picks a movie Low concept, high, fun It's all about the rules Gentlemen, this is our Christmas episode We feeling festive? Yeah, I put on a green sweater for you guys. I was gonna put on my Christmas sweater, but it smelled bad. So, <laughs> and then when I when I podcast, I podcast like I sweat. I don't know about you guys. I get sweaty when I podcast. I don't. That'd be no? weird. Well, I don't talk that much, so <laughs> maybe I'm just getting. You just so need nervous. to get into it. You need to go and do like this network esque ramble. Yeah, maybe I'll do it on this one. I'm already feeling the burn. We just started. <laughs> Well, I'm feeling festive because I'm back home in Seattle podcasting in person with my friends. Aww. It's a, the pick miracle. Yeah. That makes this episode extra special. Sure You does. can just feel that warmth, that bond between us. It'll make the episode even better. Yeah. Should we all hold hands for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> I feel like it, the way we're sitting, if we all held hands, it would look like we're just trying to like raise the dead. Yeah. It just looks like... <laughs> like Looks like we're having a seance. Yeah, that's, that's weird. Uh, but no, we're going to be talking about... <laughs> I'm really sad that no one got to see that. Yeah. We focused our powers, and now we can do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. And what we want to do is talk about love actually. Ugh, do we have to? Yeah, we do. Actually, actually. we have to. Yeah. Can we do something that's else That's just my first? impression of a British person. <laughs> Uh, but before we talk about love, actually, we like to do our little picks. Little picks. This is where we uh, recommend, you know, pick something that we've watched or read or whatever, just something we've enjoyed recently. And I'll go first uh, to keep in theme with Christmas. I'll recommend uh, Joe Bob's Red Christmas, which is on Shutter last weekend, and now you can watch the whole special on Shutter in pieces. It was. Uh, Drive-in movie critic Joe Bob Briggs hosting three different uh, horror holiday movies. Uh, there was Silent Night, Deadly Night 2, Jack Frost, the 90s straight-to-video one, not the Michael Keaton one, and Black Christmas. And he introduced the movies, and he goes, fun facts. This year, he went a little boomery. Like, he likes to complain a lot about things. Like, you not, not cool to laugh about that anymore? What, what changed? Uh-huh. He's that kind of guy. I really don't like that, but I love it when he talks about movies. He's, he's very smart. Like, he doesn't just know about horror movies. He knows about everything. He knows about theater. He used to work in New York as a, as a critic. Mm-hmm. And it was just fun. It's a fun way to watch movies like Jack Frost, which aren't very good, but you get all the fun facts in between. So that was cool. And... Sometimes it's a little much to like sit down for like four hours to watch the whole special. So it's cool that Shutter breaks them up and you can watch them later, like in episodes. Yeah, I mean they're like 140 minutes an episode, but still, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it's fun to see him sort of spitting off the dome. Like he doesn't seem to have notes or anything. No, it's and just, it's live. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, he shared a lot of sad stories this year, though, yeah. like oh, like actors' tragic deaths and stuff. He went into Margot Kidder because she's in Black Christmas oh, and her. That's a heartbreak. Her, ter- her hard life. Black Christmas is a weird movie. 
uh, I forgot that Cara Dulay is in that from uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. He's playing a college student. He's 38 years old. <laughs> is there ever been someone older who's played a college student? I don't know. I mean, you can go to college whenever you want. Did they ever say he's 22? Oh, like, uh, what's that Tom Hanks movie? Yeah, I thought you were going to say Van Wilder. <laughs> but he went with Larry Crown instead. <laughs> I also could have gone with... Uh, back to school but that's the whole the whole thing is that it's funny that he's going back to school i mean that's true larry crown as well i guess that's the whole gimmick yeah van wilder is actually probably like how old is this guy really how old is ryan reynolds and van wilder quick quick google ryan reynolds what's that comedian that the van wilder's based on no idea <sighs> i'm i can never remember that guy's name he was, he's, i don't know anything about van wilder other than that had had a sequel called the rise of tosh he's the guy I guess it wasn't a sequel, it was a spin-off. He's like a pudgy comedian with like a beard. Uh, he's got another movie coming out based on his life where he like tells a story about taking like Russian class but never actually learning the Russian language and then he like goes on a like a class trip to Russia. Burt Kreischer? Yeah. Name? I've uh, heard of this guy. I didn't know he's the inspiration of Van Wilder. Yeah. Is he like Joe Rogan adjacent in some way? <laughs> I mean, um, all comedians are Joe Rogan and Jason. He's a titan of the industry. Yeah, yeah he controls everything. <laughs> okay, I, know, I just know Burt Kreischer. Well, I, 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 did, I didn't know his name, but once I looked him up, I was like, oh, it's that guy who's got his shirt off all the time. <laughs> yeah. That's his shit. He's got a great episode of uh, Doug Loves Movies where he absolutely loses it because Doug Benson makes an offhanded joke about switching the race of the characters in oceans 11 so like they're mostly black and so he's, he's like the, they get caught immediately because they'd be like why are there 10 black guys looking at each other in a casino and the, and he just loses it it's one of the hardest i've ever heard someone laugh in my <laughs> life like he's just going <laughs> and he has to like Jesus. leave <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely peaked on her. <laughs> wave file, Jesus. All right, my little pick, Van Wilder. Sean, your little pick. Um, for me, also staying in the realm of Christmas, uh, over the course of 2019, Lucy Dacus has put out holiday-themed singles, and she's just put out the last one of those, which is Last Christmas, um, and she's also compiled all of her holiday singles on one album called 2019. I guess it's more of an EP. It's pretty short. Um, she's done some fun ones. She did uh, the Phil Collins in the Air Tonight song for Halloween. Um, she did Dancing in the Dark, the Bruce Springsteen song for Bruce Springsteen's birthday, which she counts as one of the major holidays. When what when is that? I think it was in November. Okay. Um, at least that's when I first heard it. Maybe I missed it. Maybe it was late. Uh, but anyway, uh, because it's Christmas, you can, you can hear a cover of Last Christmas, which is pretty good, and the whole EP is is fun, and you all know that I love Lucy Dacus, so I'll take any opportunity to remind you that she's out there killing it. Uh, I was I was going to do something else, but maybe I'll just recommend Batman Returns. Hell which, yeah! Which I, I watched, talking about that. Which I watched on a plane when I was flying over here. Because uh, it was a Batman movie I had not seen. Um, I was interested to watch it because I was listening to the uh, Tim Burton blank check uh, s- season um, earlier this year. 
and uh, it's pretty great. Like, it's super weird that uh, Tim Burton got to make a uh, like a big budget superhero movie that's such like a Tim Burton movie. Like, it has all his kind of specific quirks and eccentricities, and like all of his other like late '80s, early '90s movies, they're kind of about a weird pale freak that nobody <laughs> understands i feel freaks in this area yeah like it's not really about batman it is way more about the penguin and and catwoman also more like yeah batman's like barely this movie at all the only scenes of him he's just like looking at a computer or i mean he has some fight scenes he like kicks people's ass sitting in the batmobile yeah like <laughs> He's just driving a car around, making like the like little wings come out of the, the Batmobile. Definitely killing people. Yeah, killing those those clowns. And it's a weird plot too. The penguin is like running for yeah, mayor. Yeah, he's running for mayor. <laughs> Do you think the penguin would make a better president than Donald Trump? Um, about the same. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> he's a pretty bad dude. He's so gross. He bites that guy's nose. He's always like got, especially near the end when he's like wearing the big, like the guys are like pajamas or. Oh god, I love his look. (laughs) What it's like? What prosthetics is he wearing? He's definitely wearing a fat suit. He's definitely he's very egg shaped. Yeah, he's wearing the pointy nose. I'm seriously trying to remember what was his ulterior motive. Did he just want to be mayor? It seemed like he kind of wanted to be accepted, and then they wanted to like manipulate him, and by making him run for mayor, was Christopher Walken using that to his advantage? It seemed like, yeah, they were definitely in cahoots. Christopher Walken's the real bad guy. Yeah, he's like manipulate. Like you know, the penguins is pawn. The penguin does have like an army of penguins and a bunch of circus buddies. Mm-hmm. I love the, the little penguin guys with their little hats, and they got like rockets I, I that remember, they shoot. Out I, they, of there's back. great action figures back in the '90s where you just get a two pack with the penguins, and they came <laughs> with jetpacks that fired missiles. Yeah. I had some of those. And then like when batman's like chasing down penguins in his batmobile like little penguins come up on his radar and they're going like whack 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 and i'm like this is so silly this would never be in a superhero movie these days he's got that sweet duck boat it. oh yeah the giant rubber ducky duck he rides around in the sewer and then he drives it up on land and it becomes like a tank so good also i love when christopher rocking gets electrocuted and you see his gross melted body that's pretty good. Yeah. And uh, there's just so many good parts. Of this, <laughs> this, is a, this is a favorite of mine as a kid. Yeah. For sure. What about the fat clown? Oh, the fat clown. I, I remember that because <laughs> for those listening in our, what was it? Batman. Batman Villains T3 podcast that back in the day. we did for Dark Knight Rises. A late addition to the list was the fat clown. Which is this clown that kind of stands up to the penguin towards the end. He's like, hey, we shouldn't do this. And then the penguin just shoots him and kicks him into the sewer. Very memorable character. Great character. Do you know this movie was also supposed to have Robin? But it's like, this is just too much. And they cut out of the script. I did hear that. It was, they said it on, mentioned on that podcast. Yeah, like, didn't they even make action figures? Yeah, they did. They made a Robin action figure. It was Damon Wayans. Yeah. He was going to be like a mechanic oh. who then becomes a sidekick. And they made uh, an action figure that had a flat top haircut. <laughs> I think I had that action figure. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, wait, no. But they still released it anyways, but painted it white. So there's a Robin it's with a flat top figure. The Tim Burton movies have all these missed opportunities. There's also, they were setting up Two-Face with Billy D in the first one. It, they probably were never going to get to that, though, because they did. He, they had him in the first movie, and he wasn't in the second movie, so... 
seemed like they abandoned that pretty quickly. Mm. But yeah. I thought maybe at one point he was supposed to be kind of like the Max Shrek character. Oh, yeah, and then they just right. swapped him out for for Christopher Walken. I'm not sure what happened there. I can't remember. I miss Christopher Walken. What? I miss Christopher Walken. Yeah, he's, he's old. Yeah. Has he done anything since that cat movie? Nine Lives? <laughs> yeah. I, I thought know. his thing was he doesn't turn down roles. That's why he's in yeah. Balls of Fury. But that was a pretty good capper on a career, I'm sure. He was like... <laughs> Ooh, he's in the war with Grandpa with Robert Tadini. <laughs> That's the second episode now that we've talked about the war with Grandpa. I think it's going to have to be a pick at some point. Maybe. It's coming out next year. Ooh, it's also got Uma Thurman. Is it possible that these actors will get so old they have to be digitally de-aged into grandfathers because they look too much like great grandfathers? <laughs> Has an old person ever been de-aged to look slightly less? I guess the Irishman is the closest yeah. we've gotten to that to this point, where you have people in their seventies. But you know, not quite. We'll see. We'll get there. We'll get there, man. Uh, okay, as much as I would just love to start talking about Batman Returns forever and for always. And Batman Batman Robin. forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about Love Actually, you guys. Join this unforgettable filmmaking team. Welcome, Prime Minister. This is Natalie. Hello, David. I mean, sir. 20 years ago, you'd have been just his time. <laughs> as they explore that time of year, when desires are revealed. I'm in love. Aren't you that young to be in love? No. Oh, okay. Secrets are exposed. Your secretary is very pretty. Is she? Be careful there. And chances are finally taken. All I want for Christmas is you. So Love Actually, uh, this is a Christmas classic. It's on every year. A lot of people like it. A lot of boomers really like it. I know. I know a lot of parents who are into this movie. <laughs> okay. And it was a it was it was a big hit. And so a handful of years ago, probably five six years ago, I was like, I should finally sit down and watch Love Actually, see what all the hubbub is all about. And I despised it. But I feel like I felt so alone in that opinion. But as the years have gone by, even since when I watched it five years ago, there's been a lot of articles that have come out in those past years um, talking about, like, this movie's kind of messed up. And we're going to get into that. I just want initial reactions just so I know where we're going. Uh, Sean, you'd never seen this movie before. No. I wish I had never seen it. You wish? Okay. <laughs> so you weren't into it. Uh, I feel like it had good intentions, but it just isn't. It disappointed me in the decisions that it makes. I think it does have good intentions. It's just written by someone clearly of another era. Mm. And uh, there's probably a lot of... I I was wondering how many other comedies from this period now feel really weird. Or if it's just like a Richard Curtis thing. Well, I think this one feels especially weird because in its opening scenes it like it makes it pretty clear that this is a post 9-11 feel-good movie (laughs) and now that we're so removed from that era when everybody was just trying to you know feel good and embrace love in in the the, those complicated times like now yeah it feels very i don't know just quaint and dopey so you had seen this before i saw it a few years ago quite a few years ago actually i was in college when i first saw it um and i 
I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't despise it. I was just like, whatever. It's it's just a kind of cheesy Christmas movie. But yeah, watching it again, I gave it less of a. <laughs> I gave it a shorter leash. Like I did not <laughs> like it. I didn't really like it watching it this time either. But I I, I agree. Like it has good intentions. I mean, it's it's fine that it it was trying to be just like a heartwarming (laughs) movie uh, about finding love but it's just yeah it just makes a lot of weird decisions and um it's just like why are there so many stories in this one movie like so many of them aren't are barely stories and they could have just cut them out like Mm -hmm. why did this need to be two hours and 15 minutes so i think the reason for that is apparently richard curtis was heavily inspired by pulp fiction he really liked all the different stories going on, and he wanted to do something like that, but more in his own style. Yeah. So he came up with all these different stories, and eventually it became a Christmas movie. Also, he's probably just really horny because this is like one of the horniest movies I've no, ever seen. Uh, wa- like, <laughs> like watching this, I thought, was he just like jerking off on his rights? <laughs> like, they're all male fantasies from a male perspective. The only stories that are from a female perspective are like kind of depressing like yeah. emma thompson having her husband <laughs> cheat on her and also like whatever the hell's going on with laura liddy like oh, it's really weird and we're gonna get in this we're gonna go story by story yeah we'll, we'll get get there <laughs> before we get into that though i you know i was doing a little reading on richard curtis i felt kind of dumb that i wasn't that familiar with his background before he started writing movies mm-hmm. i didn't realize he was so established in television I didn't know he was the co-creator of Blackadder with Rowan Atkinson, oh. which I feel like I've heard from so many nerdier friends that that's a, one of the greatest British comedies of all time. I still have never seen it. Explains Rowan Atkinson's participation in this film, doesn't it? Also, they co- worked. They created Mr. Bean together. Oh, both of them. The two and big shows. I love shows. Mr. Bean. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I assume it holds up fine. So, yeah, he did some pretty good TV work. Uh, and then in the 90s, he transitioned to films. Four Weddings and a Funeral was his... He wrote that big, big breakout script. Wrote Bean. Notting Hill, which is a movie I really want to see now that I've seen <laughs> Love Actually again. Because I'm wondering if that's another one of those movies that feels kind of creepy watching it. Especially any movie from this period that involves Hugh Grant. Because I feel like he was kind of a, considered a creep during this time period too. Because didn't he have like a famous arrest for like soliciting prostitutes or something? There's You remember that yeah. mugshot back in yeah, the day? I remember where he's like, oh. <laughs> Colin just did the pose like perfectly. Or he's just kind of uncomfortable. He's got a like, shoulder kind of up. And, but yeah, and I feel like Notting Hill was a big hit when it came out too. I remember everyone always talking about that scene where he's walking down a street to Ain't No Sunshine and the seasons are changing in the background. Hmm. And it's got Julia Roberts. Like, how come how have I not seen this? Maybe it's a creepy movie. I don't know. Uh, but then he went from there to adapting Bridget Jones' Diary. He's, I think, done the, the scripts for all those. And then Love Actually, which is his directorial debut. He was also nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Screenplay. Hmm. Best screenplay, not even just like you know the best comedy thing or you know something like that, like a real Golden Globe nomination. <laughs> if you consider that at a real award ceremony, I think that just goes to show how different uh, times were back then. Okay, so let's see. Uh, let's go story by story. I'm just gonna go with the order that Wikipedia has because I figured you know they know what they're talking about because they get all their facts right. Uh, 
so the movie opens well has first has the narration which is hugh grant and that's where they're talking about like 9-11 and pulling at the heartstrings and showing all that footage uh, at uh, airports. It's kind of nice. kind of nice way to open the movie. I can see why people like that. Mm-hmm. To me, right? it feels like a shoehorned framing device. I think mm. they realized, oh no, all these stories don't intersect. So we need to have a, a reason why we're, sh- we're telling all these stories and not just the ones that overlap with each other. And so they threw in that opening scene. So then at the end, they can have all the characters that didn't meet each other meet at the airport. Because for some reason, they're all coming back from New York City. Yeah, and you're watching, and you're like, how How did they know each other? It's mm-hmm. just, it feels very weird. It, it doesn't feel like natural in any way. And yeah, there there are stories that aren't connected. The, the, one I, the first one I was going to talk about isn't really connected to the other ones. The one with Billy Mack, who is Bill Nye's character, who is a rock star. Mm-hmm. I guess he's like Mick Jagger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite story. This is your favorite story? Okay. Maybe because it's not about a, a male-female romance that's poorly done. It's about a... Well, you can... Yeah, so he's an aging rock star, and uh, he's recording a Christmas version of Love is All Around by the Trogs. I thought that was a little strange that it wasn't like one of his own songs. Mm-hmm. Because he seems so comfortable with trying to sing the original song, but he has to sing instead of Love is All Around, Christmas is All Around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they keep talking about how they're trying to make this hit, but he's like, oh, this is shit. This is fucking shit. Um, and his producer's trying to uh, you know, get, help him get his shit together and, and promote him and, and go on all these shows. And he's kind of just in the background of this film through most of it. He's on, like, like people see him on the TV and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess that stuff's kind of fun because he's just... He's got no filter. He's talking about, oh, this sucks. I've had sex with Britney Spears. I've done all this stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And it's a fun role for Bill Nye. I like Bill Nye. Yeah. I don't like his singing, though. You don't like his... Yeah. yeah it's, well, it's like a... It's like a swaggery kind of singing. <laughs> like, is Mick Jagger, like, even a good singer? Like, he's like has, like, no talent, actually, though, right? I think Mick Jagger's a better singer than Bill <laughs> Nye. Than Billy Mack. Billy Mack. Get out of here. So, Colin, you said this was your favorite segment? Yeah, I did. Because it doesn't turn stupid at any point. Like, it's always kind of fun. Bill dies having a lot of fun in the part, I think. And, like, it has a nice little twist at the end where it just becomes about male friendship. Male friendship or something more? I think it's just male friendship. Yeah. Shouldn't it be something more, though? Doesn't it feel like a, a cool, a good direction to go in? Especially for this movie. But then it's another case of, oh, we have uh, someone taking advantage of a subordinate. <laughs> That's true. That's Most of the, rom- the romance in this movie is between someone's like boss and employee. <laughs> and plus, the movie doesn't do anything to make you think the producer feels for him in that way. Yeah, you, so. mostly you just get reaction shots of him like right after Bill Knight puts him on blast. And he's like, oh, what am I going to do? Yeah, I'm just kind of looking embarrassed, but uh, but they're trying to take this, I guess, album to number one. Does this seem like a real like this, you can believe this plot line? I mean, I don't know how music works in Britain. Yeah, so there's something <laughs> they're saying it's it's supposed to be like the number one single for Christmas, like the number one Christmas single. Like that's a competition in the country or something. You know, I was just for whatever reason looking at the Billboard charts for the year today uh-huh. and I noticed that the number one single right now is All I Want for Christmas Mariah Carey because uh, that song must hit number one this time of year every year she owns Christmas now it's hard to believe that like Christmas is all around us could dethrone that I think I read it was actually the first time that that song had hit 
number one though. Oh, this year, Christmas, yeah. Oh wow. Why now? Yeah. It's uh, that song's even in this I mean, movie. <laughs> I do feel like that song just keeps getting bigger and bigger every. I mean, Christmas I don't know season. how many TikToks I've seen it in recently. Yeah. She had that terrible live performance, I think, <laughs> last year, right? So maybe uh, her and her people are like, "We've got to make this push now." Oh, I just gotta... figured there's no such thing as bad publicity. So people are like, "That was funny. Let's get that song." <laughs> Remember when she fucked that up? Uh, but yeah, I guess this Billy Mac story is pretty inoffensive it's just a it's just a silly comedy story um it, it doesn't get too creepy anywhere <laughs> and bill nye is having fun i like him in this uh let's go from there to the absolute creepiest story in my opinion which is juliet peter and mark this is the kira knightley twiddle edgy for andrew lincoln thread mm. where uh kira knightley and twiddle edgy for are getting married and andrew lincoln from the walking dead is twiddle edgy for's best buddy mm-hmm. and he's videotaping the wedding he's not the videographer he's just doing it for his own reasons yeah. <laughs> Which, oh, we, we know those reasons <laughs> like right off the bat like it seems weird because like to have a videographer who's like the best man is like i'll bring my camera just do it, how to shoot and uh there's a couple other characters at this wedding too i think laura linney's character is at this wedding is emma thompson maybe somebody else maybe not so I, I, someone walks. The, the person who's getting cheated on walks out. Is it Colin Firth? Colin Firth is there, but like you don't know why yeah. these characters are there. They're all just friends. And he like leaves it early so he can go get cheated on. Okay, because yeah, Colin Firth comes and hangs out with them at the end, and you're like, oh, they're friends, even though he seems kind of older than Andrew Lincoln and she would tell you for. They're just a real cool group of friends. Yeah. I mean, also, they're uh, all way older than Kira Knightley. Yeah, sure. how old is Kira Knightley in this movie? She's like eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah, she's like twenty. <laughs> That's bizarre. She's been acting for so long and been playing adults for so long. It's weird. Also, uh, Chris Marshall, who plays Colin. He's uh, handing out hors d'oeuvres, trying to pick oh, up right. chicks. At the reception, yeah. Because it seems like he has a job at multiple places to hand out snacks. <laughs> I think so you could say he man. works for a catering company. Oh, well, yeah, I didn't I didn't think about that because he's at the office and he's handing out just chips. Catering companies just get out. I don't know. I've Clearly, I'm, I'm not familiar <laughs> with this field. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you get to see characters intersecting. And... Uh, it's weird talking about these stories without going back and forth to the other ones because they seem so much smaller and shorter when you're when you're doing it like that. I'd like to see that cut where it's just you see it the whole <laughs> the mini sods. But on Netflix, <laughs> there's got to be a does Tober Grace on a super cut of Love Actually where it's just the mini sods? Because yeah, then the next thing I can think of is uh, Kara Knightley being oh our wedding video turned out all blue and and distorted and crappy hey andrew lincoln i know you were recording it can i see if mm-hmm. you got any good footage mm-hmm. and he's like oh uh, um she goes to his apartment and he's trying to say oh i don't have i think i lost the tape or got rid of it mm-hmm. and they watch the tape and it's creepy stalker tape of non-stop close-ups of Kira knightley's face at the wedding there's not even like any shots of Twiddle edgy for yeah. You might as well not even be there. It's weirdly like edited together. It like is. It edited. seems like some of the shots are in slow motion. <laughs> there is. There is. That's yeah. I was just talking about that too. It's like, how much effort she's just put like into going this? to town in uh, iMovie on this one. <laughs> but he's embarrassed. Like, oh, I need some editing. It's like, yeah, 
Oh, you've been editing. You've been editing. <laughs> is it, what is, else have you been doing? Is this the same scene bitch. where he confesses how he feels? Sir? No. What no. is that? So, uh, he... It is the scene where she's like, I, I know you don't like me very much, which makes everything else that happens very yeah. weird. It's very like, creepy. They clearly don't have chemistry, but he's in love with her. Because that's the thing. This plot line would work so much better if they had been like really, really good friends. They're like, oh, but then she went ahead and married my best friend. So now it's like, but I feel yeah. for her. But it's kind of just like they never ever spoke ever. He just like they had no relationship. Just like staring at her. <laughs> just like videotaping her. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the the thing where he's fallen in love with her and he knows he can't be in love with her, so he tries to bury his feelings and she misinterprets that as him not liking her, which is all fine that happens in the real world. Uh and I even like at the end of the the scene we were just talking about, where he like has to run out and he's like "fuck" or whatever, and there are people in the street like, "What's wrong with this guy?" <laughs> um, but then this story loses me with his final solution to this problem, which is the the most famous scene in the movie with the with the signs. It's iconic. I, now you can finally appreciate when uh, Kendall Jenner does the same shtick in the Casey Musgraves Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so first of all, this plan is deeply flawed because he t- he tells her to say it's carolers. Uh, so he, first of all, he's banking on Kira Knightley being the one to open the door, not Chuetel Ejiofor. Yeah. And second of all, he's banking on Chuetel Ejiofor will not come and look at the carolers sing. He will stay upstairs and go tell him to fuck off. <laughs> and then he does this terrible thing. Where he says, because it's Christmas and you have to tell the truth at Christmas. You know that famous Christmas song, you have to tell the truth at Christmas. <laughs> um, that he likes her a lot. And then he just leaves. So, yeah, a series of cue cards saying about how he loves her and how he'll love her till she's old and oh, dead. Yeah, and he has right. a picture of like a that. mummified corpse. And uh, I, th- I think the big line in that cue card scene is, to me, you are perfect. Ugh. Which is, she's like, oh, that's so sweet. But... It's like, how does he know? He doesn't seem like he's ever had a conversation <laughs> with her before. He's yeah. got the footage. Yeah, yeah she's <laughs> fucking hot, Colin. <laughs> he wants that hot 18-year-old. <laughs> uh, they don't really resolve that. The, their she she runs off either. after him and they kiss. And mm, then yeah. she's like... We'll just be friends. <laughs> it's beginning of a beautiful friendship. And he's ha- definitely going to kidnap her at some point. Yeah. Isn't he? <laughs> or he's going to keep he's, filming he's her. Gonna, he's filled their apartment. It's going to be. Cameras. It's going to be some sort of one-hour photo type situation where he's got all these tapes of footage of their lives. It just doesn't seem like it's going in a good direction. Yeah. Since some of these stories do end with like. A, a downer ending. I kind of wish that one ended with Troy Ledgeford being like, "Hey, fuck, fuck off, stop yeah. doing this." <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's the thing, is it's called love. Actually, it's it seems I think to be like here is what love is actually like, not not just the idealized Hollywood version of love, but. Like we said before, they really only do that with the female-led stories, and all these men get basically the best possible outcome. I mean, I Just guess these women that are fifteen years younger than them being in love with them yeah. for no reason. 
I mean, I guess you could say Andrew Lincoln doesn't win because she doesn't immediately divorce Chuetelagia for. <laughs> uh, but he gets to tell her his feelings instead of being a grown-up and dealing with them. Uh, and he even gets to kiss her. And there are no bad consequences for that. So, fuck this guy. Yeah, it, 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 there should be consequences. Because now people will see that and mm-hmm. continue to see that and be like, Hey, that's not a bad idea. I should try something like this. <laughs> And they'll end up looking like stalker creeps and they'll ruin their lives. It's just gross. All right, let's move on to our next story. Uh, okay. Which, uh, if I'm going by Wikipedia's order, which would be uh, Colin Firth as Jamie and... Um, this is my favorite story. Sienna Gilroy as Ariella. No, she doesn't have a name. It doesn't matter. She's as, no uh, foreign She's a body. As maid or something. <laughs> Well, you'll get into it. She's living underwear. It's so, great. So Colin Firth had gone to the wedding, and I'm reminded that uh, he went to the wedding. His wife, his girlfriend told him to go. Yeah. Oh, Lucy, excuse me. I said Lu- Lu- Lucia Moniz is Aurelia. I said a different actress. Um, just correction, so I don't have to correct that in the next one. Was it the off-screen voice, the, the first credit you read? Oh, I, the first credit I read was the girlfriend. Yeah. So his girlfriend tells him to go to this wedding. She feigns an illness. And he goes, when he comes back, he finds that she's cheating on him. Mm-hmm. So he needs to get away. We find out he's a writer. He's a thriller writer. He's like, I guess he's like James Patterson. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to know, like, how famous is this guy? Yeah. What's his level of, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he can afford to go write at a villa in France. So he, he, goes, okay. yeah, he goes to France to, to go write, uh, to go work on his thriller novel. And... For and by reason, the way, he writes faster than Stephen King. He writes a whole thriller in like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know if it's worth mentioning too that this movie gives you, uh, it breaks down the time by saying like five weeks before Christmas, four weeks before Christmas. It starts pretty early, five weeks before Christmas. And people are like, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Like, it's, it's like in a month. <laughs> Come on. Well, maybe there was an early Thanksgiving that year. Well, I keep well, forgetting they don't they don't have it. You know, yeah. I kept figuring that. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they probably have some British thing, right? England. Canada has a Thanksgiving. In October. Yeah, well. Anyways. <laughs> so, I don't remember why he gets set up with this Portuguese housekeeper. There's some woman who uh, who's like, oh, she can help you, but she doesn't speak any English. Yeah. She's like, you don't speak much French, and she doesn't speak any English, so you are, you're a perfect pair. What's everybody doing in France? Yeah. Why is a Portuguese woman who doesn't speak English or French yes. working yes. in France? Okay. So this woman <laughs> is Portuguese. She has a job as a waitress in Portugal. But (laughs) for some reason, she chooses to be a housekeeper in France for, again, like three weeks. What the fuck is that? What is this arrangement? I can only imagine that maybe that job she got after this one. But it doesn't seem like that because later on when we see her working her job back in Portugal... The owner of the restaurant says, that's my best waitress. Yeah. So that you would think she's been there for a while. So who takes a break from their job to go be a maid? This is the fucking EU, man. It's fucking bullshit. (laughs) These people can go wherever they want, do whatever they want. No wonder Brexit's happening. Uh, So, yeah. so Hell yeah, Sean. So (laughs) we need to make England great again. I want to see uh, Richard Curtis's Brexit romance movies. Boris Johnson (laughs) falling. Who would be a great Boris Johnson esque like like I imagine to be like a parody kind of of him. That's tough. That's tough. James Corden. 
James. Oh, well, he played him on SNL. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. perfect. He's got to do it. And then you can just be him. Yeah. I was going to go way older. I was going to go Timothy Spall, but. That's uh, pretty good, too. He seems too fat. <laughs> He's too fat to be Boris Johnson. <laughs> no. No Plus, if you get him, maybe Race Ball will follow. Ooh. And he's he's hot. You gotta have him, yeah, right? Men in Black International's Race Ball. <laughs> oh yeah. So uh, Colin Firth and Lucia Moniz have a lot of uh, little scenes where they can't really communicate. Uh-huh. Like he'll say something, and then I can't even. Remember. The joke is like they're they're basically on the same wavelength, yeah. even though they don't speak the same language. Like. Yeah, he'll be like, "Oh, you won't, you wouldn't want to read my books; they're terrible." And she will say in Portuguese, "Like, I bet your books are terrible." Yeah, exactly, stuff like that. And we're just yucking it up. (laughs) And there's a pivotal moment where he's writing on his typewriter outside, Uh and the wind blows his pages into the nearby lake or pond, Mm -hmm. and uh, Ariella rushes towards the water and then strips down in slow motion. Mm And uh, Colin Firth takes it in. <laughs> he sees her in her underwear. He sees she's got a back tattoo. Super sexy. She jumps in the water to go for the pages. And then we cut to Colin Firth running after. And he's like, oh my. <laughs> Trying to take off his sweater. Falling sideways off of the dock mm-hmm. into the water. So she gets the, the sexy yeah. undressing. No, he's like, oh my klutz. Oh no. No DNA. That's dick and ass. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, this is their their sexy bonding scene of uh, going out and getting the pages of the novel. And she's yeah. like, "This better be good." And then, uh, yeah, They'll, he like wraps her in a blanket and tells her about his life, even though she can't understand a thing he's saying. And that's like it, right? Like, no, then the best part happens. So I, I mean, with their time oh, in the cabin, oh, obviously yeah. it's not the end of the story. <laughs> She has to, he has to leave, and she has to leave too. She has to go back to her waitress job, yeah, and he has to go back to uh, to London to celebrate Christmas. Uh, but while before he's doing that, he start, he start, he tries to pick up Portuguese a bit. He goes to like, mm. a, like a language school, and then he has a, a moment when he goes to visit his family at Christmas. Like, no, I can't be here, and gets the hell out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, heads off to Portugal to go meet Ariella's family. Mm-hmm. Sean, you really appreciate this movie? I really like this part because I really like her family. It's fun. Um, so he shows up at their house and he's like, I'm here to marry your daughter. And the, the dad's like, really? Okay. And there's like this older, fatter lady. She's like, you're, I'm getting sold off. I saw that joke. I was like, ugh. Yeah, it's pretty tasteless. <laughs> I feel like there's some joke, too, that she was Miss Insert Food Name of 1999 or yeah. something. <laughs> some fat person award. <laughs> there's a lot of mean fat chicks in this movie. But I, I just love how after that they go to find her and... Um, like the whole town like rallies around this crazy proposal and the dad's making jokes about how dumb he is and how he's gonna just sell his daughter off and make millions yeah there's all this great dialogue from the crowd be like oh he's selling his daughter into slavery <laughs> it was like oh yeah everyone's cool with it like it happens all the time in portugal i guess like they're not very civilized so over miserable there. in portugal and they head to the restaurant where ariella is working and yeah. colin firth uh, proposes to her. Yeah, in Portuguese. In Portuguese, he's and picked it up. And you know, it's like it's funny, like broken Portuguese, where the, the subtitles are like, you know, he's wrong verb tenses and 
weird word choices. So that's hilarious. And she says yes, crazily enough. I guess Portugal just sucks. It, it makes it seem like it's a third world nation. <laughs> I don't think that's right. Well, you know, it's the EU, man. You gotta get out of the way. <laughs> you gotta get out of there. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, everyone will pop up again when we talk about the airport scene at the yeah. end. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was the one where it's like... They're, they're trying something. It's like this quirky romance between people that don't understand each other, but they have something in common and they feel a connection. And then it ends in a funny way. So I like that. Mm. It just had too much of the sexy baby vibe to me. <laughs> Where it's like she can't under she can't communicate with the guy who we're like seeing the whole story unfold from yeah, his perspective. I, I guess yeah, it, it really does depend on how much you think his attraction to her is just based on seeing her in her underwear. It in that seems one like scene. most of it, considering how much <laughs> how that scene is shot. I, I, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, I'm sure we're supposed to believe that they have a connection, but it's just it's hard it's hard to buy when yeah. they can't communicate. So it's like, what else is he attracted to other than her? Her looks. She's good cleaning. Well, yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Considering it's not her first profession, she's she, yes. she adapts quickly. Her summer abroad. In it, yeah, it is weird. I mean, December. and that's the thing about this movie. I think a lot of people don't notice stuff like that. Like, where's the actual time of them getting to know each other and bonding? They have maybe one scene where he's trying to communicate what he writes. And still we don't learn much about her in that yeah. scene. But the thing is, because the movie is cutting back and forth between all these different stories, it's easy to forget and then you don't notice these mm-hmm. big holes in each story. Well, they do talk about how they both, like the him driving her home every day was the highlight of both of their day for some reason. But that just seems like it's because he was in such a boring situation <laughs> where he had nothing else going on in his life. You know... Um, Communication's important in a relationship and a lot of people they don't listen they just say what they want to say they just think about themselves and, and this is about what love actually is like so they're just showing like the reality of a lot of relationships right. two people just saying what they want to say and hearing what they want to hear and right. then they're going to get married <laughs> of course <laughs> That's how love works, actually. Okay, let's keep going. Our There's next story, so stories. In this our next story movie. is Harry, Karen, Mia. Harry is Alan Rickman. Karen is Emma Thompson. Mia, Heika, Makash. So uh, Alan Rickman has a. It, it, it's never quite clear what it is. It, it looks like a magazine, but I guess it's a design agency. Whatever that entails what exactly, I'm not sure. But it just <laughs> it's just basically a generic office where people can talk about gossip. And how horny everyone is. <laughs> yeah, basically the first scene we get of this office is Alan Rickman uh, calling in... Morlini. So I guess there's, there's an intertwining story because she works for this agency mm-hmm. as well to talk about her, like, oh, we, we all know that girl. You like this, the graphic designer guy. Yeah. Like, starts talking about sex and like, stuff. Like, that's the first thing he says. Is like, like, with hey, your boss. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling you into my office because you need to hook up with one of my other employees. <laughs> So it's just a horny office. Yeah, that's that's sexual harassment. <laughs> and Alan Rickman is kind of falling for his uh, secretary, and they they're flirting a whole bunch. 
even though he's got a family with Karen, Emma Thompson, and they have children. And, and he doesn't seem unhappy in his marriage either, well, which yeah. is important. It's important. It's like, what, that's what it's like really like. They have a Christmas party at... There's the time where his secretary says something about like having having a, a void in her life and she spreads her legs in front of him in the office which is like Jesus fucking Christ just, this movie's just trying to get you, this is a rated R movie Sean. gotta have some morning. chill but, I mean that's a, another thing like a lot of these stories where like she seems way more into him than <laughs> he is into her and it's not like he's done yeah. much it seems like to warrant her being this he's into Alan him. Rickman he's hot <laughs> you know he he is kind of hot in this movie. I'll give him that. <laughs> he, he's working those glasses. And that voice. And the sweaters. It gives him less culpability if she's very sexually aggressive. And so it's, it's not, it's, he's not making the choice to have an affair. He's just trying his best to avoid having an affair. And then eventually his strength gives out and he's forced into having an affair because he's such a noble man. Yes. But every man eventually must fall. <laughs> And they go to a, uh, a Christmas party at Andrew Lincoln's gallery where um, Alan Rickman is dancing up with, with Mia. They're, they're, you can see them starting to connect. Emma Thompson takes notice. Yeah. And uh, their next pivotal scene after this is uh, Alan Rickman goes as far as to calling Mia, asking what she wants for Christmas while he's out with his family shopping. And he decides he's going to buy her some jewelry. And this leads to a sequence that I'm not sure how I feel about. Uh, this is a sequence where Alan Rickman goes to a jewelry counter. Rowan Atkinson is the clerk behind the counter, and he wants to buy this heart-shaped necklace. And he's like, of course. He's like, I need it really quick, though, because he doesn't want Emma Thompson to notice. He doesn't want to, to be caught. Uh, but then Rowan Atkinson, he takes it out. He puts it in a box. He like puts the box, and he wraps it really nicely because he asks for gift wrap. And he puts it in a bag, and he fills the bag with, with like, uh, taffy, and then, like, all sorts of rosemary and spices. How do you guys feel about this bit? I thought it was kind of funny, but I thought the music really, like, ruined it. Like, the music is, like, weirdly kind of dramatic. And, like, I'm like, <laughs> is this supposed to be funny, or is this, like, a... Is this bad? Is this, like... like tense. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I'm not, so I didn't know how to feel about it, because the music seemed a little off. Because that's how I felt. I think the music, and also just like the context of this scene because yeah. I was thinking about like this is a funny idea for a scene someone's in a hurry and someone keeps adding on adding on mm-hmm. to to this transaction but the thing is it's it's so he could buy like a gift to like cheat on his wife <laughs> yeah. and that just makes me really stressed out like I feel like I can't appreciate the humor because I just keep thinking about this is so horrible this is such a terrible thing he's destroying his life with this purchase <laughs> Like, I was thinking, how could this scene have been good? And then I was thinking, if this was, like, in a Steve Martin movie, and, like, let's say the only reason is, like, Steve Martin's got to catch a flight, and he needs to get this before his flight goes, but Martin Short is just filling up with candy, that would be funny. But this cheating on his wife angle makes it really dark. So so the motives take it away. It's also really dumb because... He's he's at a midday shopping trip with his wife. Like, why why did you have to buy this? Why is he going to go alone? <laughs> it's probably like I'm already here. I guess yeah, might as well. He's just fuck. And but I mean, given that context, like, well, he's obviously making a terrible decision. So you think it's going to break bad? Versus in that hypothetical Steve Martin situation, you 
you know, he's just he's just trying to get out of there real quick. Yeah. I think it would have worked a little more if maybe Mia had said, "Oh, I want this beautiful. I saw this beautiful heart shaped necklace in the in the shop the other day," mm-hmm. and he'd be like, "Oh, I'm there right now." <laughs> but she just says, "I want something nice. I want something pretty." Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to cheat on my wife in broad daylight with tons of people with witnesses nearby." Uh, but he gets it, and she doesn't catch him. Though later, when they're going home. She notices in his pocket he has the gift. But by the way, he walked away from the counter. He didn't buy it. So he just came back later and bought it. <laughs> proving oh, our point. Okay, yeah. I, I guess I forgot that. And, uh, wow, when you, when you, again, when you're breaking these stories down, they just, you're, then you're at the end <laughs> of this story uh, where he's having Christmas with his family. And they're doing the gift exchange, and she's expecting to get the necklace, but it's a Joni Mitchell CD, because earlier she says that she loves Joni Mitchell, and he's mm-hmm. like, for your continuing adult education. Mm-hmm. And she goes to listen to it, and she's just it's just destroyed her world. She knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Also because the movie gives us a gratuitous shot of the other woman in her underwear, and nothing else. they just like, here she is, here's what she looks like, not wearing clothes, and we're going back to the movie. We don't really get much of that character aside from the, she's horny and she's in her <laughs> mm-hmm. and she gets to meet the prime minister for a second she does get to meet the she had a pretty good christmas <laughs> this story is so goddamn sad but it also ends on a note i kind of want a little more closure with this story it's very english they're like we're just not going to talk about it you know what i did i feel bad about it and we're just going to move on she confronts him with this after the the Christmas play, right? That's when she tells yeah. him. She's like, what do you want me to do? You've made a fool of me. You've made a fool of our marriage. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wish that she'd just dump him or something. But that's what the, that we're so American. This movie walks a weird line between... We're going to go for like how the, the real ending would be of the story, too. We're going to go for the over-the-top, the whole... This whole town in Portugal is going to get behind this guy <laughs> as he proposes. Yeah, there's these really over the top comedy movie finales. These stories and then these weird downbeat ones. These highs and lows that like are so different from each other. Mm-hmm. I find that kind of strange. I don't know. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, just like this next story makes me uncomfortable because they all make me uncomfortable. This is the one with the prime minister, uh, David, played uh, by Hugh yeah. Grant, and his, uh, I guess, assistant. Somebody, uh, Natalie, played by Martine McCutcheon. How do you guys feel about Hugh Grant playing the Prime Minister? It's pretty it's, funny. Yeah, it's pretty I think it really him. works because he's handsome and like he. I definitely could imagine being Prime Minister, but he's also got that creepy dark side we're talking about, <laughs> which a lot of politicians <laughs> seem to have. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's perfect. I like Hugh Grant as the Prime Minister. And right off the bat, he's like, "I'm into this new." This new assistant. So she, what's her actual job? She's a junior member of the household staff. So she brings him, like, cookies and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene where he's having a boardroom meeting, and he's like, who do you have to screw to get a cup of tea and a chocolate biscuit? And she walks in right at that moment. Pretty funny. So yeah. funny. And also there's a scene where she talks about fucking a lot. Do you mean the scene where she's swearing a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because their first interaction, she's like, oh, don't want to swear in front of the prime minister. Shit. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but he's like, oh, it's okay. Fuck. You know? He's like, hey, they get along. You know? They yeah. just be themselves. 
instant friends. So they connect in that way. Uh, even though everyone says she's just so fat. <laughs> this is a weird, really it's weird so angle weird. this movie has. Because there's, like, there's at least three instances of it. She's like, oh, my legs are like tree trunks. Okay. And then someone, other, one of the other assistants later says like, oh, you mean that chubby one with the legs like tree trunks? And then l- later her dad's like, hey, plumpy. <laughs> She's not that fat, and even if she was, this is so mean, but it's always played as a joke. It's really weird. Do you think it was written as a much like, heavier one? It really woman? seemed like she should have been much, much, much more overweight than well, the actress they like, cast. Plumpy. It's really cruel. She doesn't even read to me as overweight when I look at her. I mean, not maybe really. it's the Christmas clothing or something, but like, I don't see it at all. She's She's a very attractive person. It's bizarre. She's super down on herself, but yeah, she is attractive. You it's know? like when you watch little kids put on a play, and one of them is pretending to be an old person, and everyone talks about how old they are. Be like, this is a fucking child. His voice is 52 octaves higher than mine. No way he's an old person. <laughs> it's like that. It's like, geez, they, they just couldn't cast anyone else. There's no fat people in England in I just imagine you watching a school play in the audience. Like, are we to believe this is supposed <laughs> to be an old man? I mean, I was also imagining Sean listening to a kid that... You said 52 octaves. Jesus Christ. I've got a very deep voice. (laughs) That's true. You know who else has a great voice? Billy Bob Thornton as U.S. President. U.S. President. George W. Bush. (laughs) I guess that must be the equivalent, because I assume Hugh Grant's supposed to be Tony Blair. Yeah. And, uh... Do we ever really... I, I couldn't... I was spacing out. Do we actually get any of what president is trying to establish while here I don't it seems like they've both been newly elected so they're just like trying to trying to form a friendship okay. and, and make sure things are good between the two countries and there's, this, there's that meeting where they're like are you finally going to do this deal from that you had already agreed to and he, give, and he talks to Hugh Grant privately and he's like look that deal's not going to happen because my people in America don't like it so I'm just here trying to be friends and I'm not trying to string you along which seems like fine. Yeah. He's not like I'm fucking you. I hate you, Hugh Grant. I hate England. Fuck you guys. <laughs> but they are vague about his actual intentions. Yeah, because if goals. they're like, if they're talking about, hey, we need you to close Abu Ghraib. It's pretty fucked up in a Christmas movie. We need movie. to send more trips of troops into Iraq. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, that relationship quickly sours when. Uh, U.S. President, which is how he is credited, mm-hmm. makes some unsavory comments about Natalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly, what's the line? It's something like, she's got some pipes on her, huh? Yeah, whatever that means. See, this is something that I was so confused about. Because you, you hear pipes. He, and he doesn't say, she's got some pipes. I think he says something like, look at the pipes on her. Look at the pipes on her. Where it's like, what? The pipes? I wonder if that's like an English phrase that they assumed Americans use. I don't know. Because, yeah, I just think of that's something that refers to how yeah. you sing your Looking vocal cords. Pipes on her. Check out her pipe. Okay, I found a thread on Newgrounds forum from 2005. Uh, he says, what is she referring to? This guy says, uh, legs? I don't know. <laughs> this guy says, x-ray vision. He was checking out her fallopian tubes. <sighs> Most people seem to think legs. Check out the legs on her. But Pipes? Pipes. Pipes aren't sexy. You should have said the tree trunk thing. 
I mean, this movie's rated R. Why do you think he just said, like, tits or something? The pipes. Because he's smooth. <laughs> so smooth, you don't even know what he's talking he's about. U.S. president. But uh, the, the prime minister hates this, so in their press conference, he has to tell the whole press, you know what, no, we're not doing this deal. Hey, England's Well, it's gonna... also because he kind of, like, leans over to her. Oh, yeah. And then he's he walks cool. in whispers into her and ear. sees that, but yeah. we don't really Bill know Clinton what territory. that's about. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, then there's this this uh, meeting with the press, and he, he goes on about how England doesn't need America's help. We're a great country on our own. List mm-hmm. all the things they have: the Beatles and Harry Potter. It's like, does he know like Alan Rickman's in this? Did that come out yet? Whoa. Yeah, it come out in the first one at least. And Emma Thompson. I guess she hadn't been in a Harry Potter movie yet. Should we just go through the cast who's been in Harry Potter? I don't Potter? think there are that many. Honestly, it feels like there should have been more people in this movie that are in Harry Potter. Was Bill Nye in a Harry Potter? He Oh, he was. It says he was in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Deathly Hallows. I don't know what he was. He's Rufus Scrimgower. Rufus Scrimgower. I don't know who that is. That's that not Luna Lovegood's dad. Just letting you guys crack this. He's the That's Minister important. of Magic uh, during like the last period of Harry Potter. Gotcha, 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 yeah. gotcha, gotcha. All right, glad we got that sorted out. <laughs> Not as much crossover as you would hope, and it's such a British yeah. movie with such a gigantic cast. <laughs> so uh, after this uh, moment, the prime minister realizes that he uh, is just too distracted by having Natalie around. He transfers her. Well, and also he's else. pissed because she was cheating on him with the U.S. president. Yeah, so it's tough, uh, and he's like, "No, can't be around her anymore." Uh, but then on Christmas Eve, he starts thinking about her again, and he has that epiphany like so many people do in this movie. It's like, you know what? No, I should follow my heart and, and go track her down. Oh, and there's a fun dance sequence some part earlier in the movie. Yeah, because everybody likes that he stood up to U.S. president, and so he becomes very popular. Dances some, to some 80s jams. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fun. And he gets caught. Yeah, but he's got to play it off like, oh, I wasn't doing we all know you're doing something, <laughs> Prime Minister David. <laughs> so uh, Hugh, all Hugh Grant knows is that she lives in this particular crappy neighborhood. So he's got to go to that neighborhood and basically go house by house until he finds her. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, uh, he runs into Mia from the Alan Rickman story. And she's like, ooh, yeah. And he also runs into some kids who want him to sing Christmas carols. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, all right. And he starts doing that. And then his driver or his security guy starts singing. And he's like, really good. Yeah. That was a good gag. That's, that's great. <laughs> Much appreciated. I wonder if they had to do a lot of houses like that. <laughs> well, no. I think it's because when they ran into um, Mia, she said, oh, she lives next door. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does that. He <clears throat> goes next door. And Natalie and her whole family are there. They're getting ready to go to this Christmas uh, pageant play for the kids. For the kids. So he has to uh, share how he feels in front of her whole family. But he can't because they're on their way out. They gotta go. So he's gotta go with them to the school play. Sure does. I don't remember when they're in the car what kind of stuff they talk about. They just talk about how she feels bad. And that she didn't actually want to be romantically linked to U.S. president. But it's funny because there's a little kid in a costume sitting in between them. And the drive is very like an octopus. And the drive is very short. So they end up 
at the school play really quickly. Yeah. And of course, the school play is one of the big central hubs of this final act of the movie. Everybody's going to this it's this school play, and it's on Christmas Eve. It's late at night on Christmas Making Eve. Making kids go to a, a school function on Christmas Eve at night. Think of them. It's weird. Yeah. And uh, they're they're backstage talking about this stuff, and mm-hmm. they get to talking, and eventually they get to kissing. We also find out that Emma Thompson is his, she's bro- the she's, sister. She's the we sister. We found that earlier too, I think. Oh, okay. But yeah. But they like meet up and she's like, oh, it's so good to see you. I'm so glad you came here to support me. I really need your help at this point. Which is hilarious because he's not going to support her at all. He doesn't give a fuck. He's trying to get his dick wet. <laughs> sure is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> And uh, this uh, this ends up with them making out right as the play is ending, yeah. and a curtain opens so everyone can see everyone the prime minister uh, and Plumpy it's making untoward out. behavior. <laughs> so whoa, awkward, but also how romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the storyline's okay. I love it because it is another. <laughs> Boss it's also, falling in love with and it's only a handful of years after the whole Clinton thing, so that that is strange. <laughs> Which was also a relationship with a, a woman that a lot of people considered plus size. And yeah, it's got like, some weird why, parallels with that. Why milk that? That's not an odd choice. <laughs> Turning that into a romance. Yeah. But and it's then, okay because at least he's not married. He's, he's a bachelor. Yeah, he's a cool bachelor, and. uh He's, he's a good guy. You know, U.S. president is the bad guy. One of the great screen villains is U.S. president. He <laughs> doesn't seem that bad. Okay, let's go on to... I guess this is my favorite story because it's fairly inoffensive. This, the Liam Neeson story. Mm-hmm. So uh, Liam Neeson plays Daniel, who is um, uh, Emma Thompson's friend. Just friend. They're just, just, just buddies. They're just buddies. And he's getting over the uh, passing of his wife, mm-hmm. uh, which is very sad because only a handful of years after this, Liam Neeson lost his famous uh, actor wife in real life. So makes it extra sad. Yeah. He's just he just plays a lot of sad dudes, um, mm-hmm. and he has a it. I guess it's a, it's a stepson, right? It's not his his actual mm-hmm. son. It's, it's Thomas Sangster from uh, Game of Thrones and Maze Runner. Uh, an actor that I'm always amazed is, is a lot older than he looks. He's only he's born in 1990, and he looks like he's five years old. He looks six. He is tiny. Shit. Yeah. He's 13. Yeah. Was, he's only weird. like a year younger than you. Mm. <laughs> but he looks like a baby, and uh, they don't really. It's not that they don't get along. They just they're not really as that close. So they have to find a way to to bond with each other. And he's got to find a way to be, get over his sadness. And he finds out that um, Sam, his son, uh, is sad about the passing of his mom, but is more depressed about the fact that he likes a girl at school, but she doesn't even know he exists. Mm-hmm. Another one of these stories where it's like, I want a relationship with this person that I haven't made an effort to approach. <laughs> yeah, This girl who's the, named Joanna, which is also the name of his mom. Coolest girl in school, super popular, great singer. But she doesn't even know I exist. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, yeah, because you got to talk to her, right? You got to do stuff. <laughs> well, you can't just talk to her. You got to trick her. But yeah. 
this like inspires Liam Neeson to be like, you got to go out there and try something. You got to do something. And this leads to Sam deciding, well, there's a school pageant coming up. Maybe I can play drums. I can learn drums in three weeks or however long it is. Which, by the way, the school pageant, I love that the like play part is just terrible. It's this hilarious, you know, accurate depiction of what it's like when kids put on a play with the high voices and whatnot. Mm. But then they do the musical number and it's like super professional. I mean it's kind of professional. They're not like great at drums. They got this whole chorus. Yeah, but I mean like the notes they're playing are very basic, I felt like. At sure. least the well, saxophone he's only, he's only know how to play drums for like three weeks. Yeah. I mean I mean the drum part on like the actual track is certainly better than he looks like he is at drums. Mm-hmm. But he's just a little kid. Whatever. He's a little kid. He's, he's just started. I mean maybe it's something where the earlier performances were like a lower grade and then they move up. But this kid's like five. No, he's thirteen. He's 13. <laughs> In real life, how old's his character? I don't know. <laughs> he, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, just so everyone knows, that basically what we see of this play is a, uh, a really crappy nativity scene mm-hmm. that has like, oh, there's a lo- a lobsters, an octopus at the, at the nativity, and then it's followed by super rockin' All I Want for Christmas rendition <laughs> that this girl Joanna sings, and it's super tight, and it's got amazing backup vocals and hip-hop dancers, <laughs> like lame middle school hip-hop dancers, but still, it's cool. Uh, so most of this story is Sam learning drums, and then him talking about Liam Neeson, you know, about how he feels, and he, oh, I can't do it, I don't know if I can do it, and he's just kind of being his number one fan, his cheerleader. They uh, they watch Titanic together for ins- romantic inspiration, which is mm-hmm. weird to think about a dad and his preteen son watching Titanic, but they're doing the King of the World. They're practicing that romantic gesture. Mm-hmm. He's you know teaching him everything he knows about love. Yeah, and then we're at the pageant, right? There's there's not a whole lot there in the middle. It's mostly him learning drums. Yeah, so talking about love. I think that's why I like it, because it's not too creepy. I guess it does bug me a little bit that he's just like, just go for it. Don't even think about it. Just go for it. It's not really very good advice. And like he should have been like, just talk to her. Find a way to talk to her. Ask her about this. But instead of just, no, do this big, grand, romantic gesture to this stranger. But I think that's fine because that's what the kid wants to do. It's not like it was his idea. The little kid wants to do it that's this true. way. And he's just, he's being, just supportive. being supportive. That's okay. And I like Liam Neeson. So he's nice. And uh, Sam does the performance. Uh, everything goes well. But it doesn't work out for him they don't really talk he doesn't meet with um with joanna it, it doesn't she work she has out. to hurry away to catch her flight on christmas eve to new york her midnight flight to new york it's like we're going to the school pageant and off to new york <laughs> um, he's like i didn't even get a chance to tell her how i feel or talk to her and then Liam's like, Liam Mason's like let's go let's go talk to her mm-hmm. so they go to the airport but she's already way past all these security checkpoints like getting close to boarding the plane so he just goes for it in a scene that would probably close down an airport pretty exciting scene though right sam running through the airport i mean obviously they're going for the graduate right and they even have him banging on the glass yeah because he can't get to her um but in the graduate that's a he's they're fighting for a doomed romance and they're just blindly following their hearts which I don't think is what they're going for here. I think they're like, ooh, he's, he's going to do it. It's a big romantic gesture, and she's going to fall in love with him, even though they're children. <laughs> Not 
sure how old they are, but yeah, they're children for sure. But uh, she she seems to like him. They have a nice little chat. I think. I well, don't he talks what to her, said. and then uh, the the security takes her away, but the, he takes him away. But then she comes back and gives him a kiss. Oh, okay. So she likes him or something. Whatever. And she's back at the Who end. Gives back at the end. <laughs> Who gives a Fuck shit? Fuck these people. Uh, let's be quick on this next one because this one is short and sad. It's the Laura Linney one. She works at the design agency. She has a crush on Carl, played by Rodrigo San uh, Toro, and it seems weird for an actor like Rodrigo Santoro would be playing a man named Carl because <laughs> he is uh, very handsome. He has a model physique. I guess mm-hmm. it is refreshing to see a story where the woman is like, is, is you know, she's pretty, but like the dude's super hot where it's usually flipped. So, But then again, it doesn't even fucking work out in this story. The thing is they want to be together. For whatever reason, they, it just never lines up in the right way. Mm-hmm. Like they connect at the holiday party and you can tell that they're both into each other, but she uh, also has to take care of her mentally ill brother, who she also brought with her to England because they're Americans. Mm-hmm. So that's a constant interruption in her life. And it's super fucking depressing, man. And super unsatisfying. Yeah, you think that they're going to find a way because they, they, they finally do connect. I mean, the, obviously their first scene is Alan Rickman saying, you guys both have a crush on each other. Why aren't you dating? Um, but then there's, they, they do get together at the holiday party and she brings him back to her apartment and they're about to have sex when she gets called by her brother and she has to go comfort him and he leaves. And so you think, oh, he's going to come back. They're going to find a way to make this work. Um, but instead the story just pivots and she becomes her brother's keeper for the rest of the movie. Even though like he wants to kill her. Yeah, I shouldn't be laughing yeah, at that. He's but so crazy. He's it's, really it's crazy. worth laughing. Because it's like done very unartfully. <laughs> like it just seems like a lot to just th- throw into this movie. This super <laughs> kind of heavy subject. Uh, it's yeah. like why? And again like I can see on paper that they're like I'm going to make a movie about love, and that includes unconditional familial love, too. That's that's definitely a, a big source of love in the world. But why would he choose such a dark way to include that? Yeah. The only other familial love we see is Alan Rickman's family, where they're choosing to sacrifice personal happiness to keep the family together. It's tragic. It's, it's, it really seems like, hey, you should just be out there having sex and fuck everyone else out of your life. Do you think they'll they'll figure find out a way to be together? So, I mean, the other thing is they make it seem like there's a ticking time clock. Like Carl's going to suddenly disappear. But he's not. But I don't know why. They work at the same place. They'll yeah. have plenty of other opportunities. It's not like, oh, I'm just here for a little while and I'm, I have a new job in another country or, or something. Or the fact that she's an American. Maybe she has to go back to America for some mm-hmm. reason. But they never say it. No. So hopefully they eventually work it out. But they didn't get together in time for Christmas, I guess. No. Nope. Both of the, uh, the, <laughs> the female-led stories, uh, hers and Emma Thompson's, are just sad. It's bleak. She doesn't even get to be the hot male model, mm. Carl. <laughs> sad. Don't like it. Uh, let's talk about one, though, that's lots of fun. It's Colin, played by Chris Marshall. And his uh, his quest for uh, for women, you know, he I just feel wants like to get this storyline is your go to example of why this is a bad movie. 
it's the one we probably spend the least time on. Uh, we don't really know much about Colin. We, we know that he just wants to find a girl. He finds the girls in England too uptight. He wants a right. loose, cool American so, girl. So, yeah, we see him striking out where he very badly hits on a girl and also eats food off his catering plate, chews on it, and then spits it out and puts it back on his catering plate. And then he's like, all oh, these English women are too uptight. It looks like baby's fingers. <laughs> Some gross thing. <laughs> he's not charming. He's revolting. And uh, he tells his buddy that uh, he's going to go to America and go meet some hot American chicks. Mm -hmm. And he's bought a ticket to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's not even like he says, oh, I did it because it was the cheapest. He's just dumb. He just just thinks anywhere in America, it doesn't matter. Picked in America. It's not even like... This, like, wouldn't it have been closer to go to New York or something? I don't know. Or know Portugal, where everyone's desperate to get out of the country. <laughs> no, it's got to be American girls, Sean. And this is a story where the first time I saw this movie, I was like, there's going to be some sort of hilarious twist. He's going to get murdered. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> or something like he's going to meet, he's going to fall in love with a girl who's English or something in America. Mm-hmm. Or like... He's going to meet some hot girls and like, oh, but let's show you our friend. And then the friend's not hot at all, but I don't know, something happens. <laughs> like, it, it just seems like it's building to something and it doesn't. He goes to America, he goes to a bar, he gets a Budweiser, and he instantly meets some hot chicks who are totally into him because he's got a British accent. Uh, January Jones is one, is one of them and um, um, Alicia uh, Cuthbert mm-hmm. is one of them. And they just and there's like another girl, and they're just talking about like, oh, you should come back to our place. Oh, but we only have one bed, and it's really hot, and we sleep naked. And yeah, like, is Sean's this like, a dream sequence. And so you're like, he's gonna get murdered, right? Yeah, that's that's totally how a group of serial killing women would seduce their yeah, victims. That too. And they're also like, oh, and you gotta meet our friend. She's the hot She's one. She's the hot one. Uh, and I guess presumably he goes back there. Cut to uh, silhouettes of them getting naked in the window, right outside their house. Yeah. And then we don't see Colin again until the end of the film when he uh, shows up at the airport, and he's brought back Shannon Elizabeth from American Pie. She was yeah. the hot one. Uh, maybe some of the other girls came too. There's one other model I remember showing up. Like I guess they, for Colin's they, friend. For Colin's friend, they brought a model with them, but I forget who it was. It was definitely someone. Rec- it might have been was it Denise Richards. Oh, it was. Oh yeah, Denise Richards shows up. Christmas Jones. Christmas Jones herself. herself. <laughs> wow, he said the same thing. I said that during the movie too. Okay, it's it's just it's but it's what I think of when I think Denise Richards. And that's his story. There's no twists yeah. or turns. It's he wanted to get gag. laid. He went and got laid super well, the best lays of his life, and then he won. He didn't really learn he everything he believed to be right was right. Yeah. But you don't think about it because it's spliced in with the other stories. This is in the same movie with the really sad infidelity plotline mm-hmm. that tears apart a family. Is this guy? I mean, but you could also say, hey, Alan Rickman got to have sex with another woman and got to keep his marriage. So. It's just, it's just happy a bu- ending for it's him. A bunch of male fantasies, and this one is like the most blatant. Yeah, I mean, it, it's clearly in here just to be a, a gag. It's there's not a lot of time spent on it, but you can put in a couple twists and turns there. You can be a story, even if it's small, but there's no effort put into it. Or just take it out because this movie's too long. <laughs> uh, speaking of taking out, the the last story to talk about is one that is very much cut down on TV. Sometimes I think it might even be removed entirely. 
and that's um, the story of John and Judy. John is Martin Freeman. Judy is Joanna Page. They are uh, stand-ins for films, and their whole story is them uh, being uh, stand-ins for a sex scene in some movie. That takes five weeks to shoot. <laughs> this is insane to me. This is insane. What... <laughs> What movie is like, we need five weeks to prep our sex scene with our stand-ins. And like, they have to be completely naked and be doing like these really physical moves on each other. I I can't think of a possible reason why they would both need to be naked to do the stuff that they do as stand-ins. Like, certainly they could wear underwear and it's not, they're not going to have to like totally redo the lighting when the actors are in there. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. They're making last tango in England, <laughs> in London or something. Yeah, I don't five know. weeks. That's a whole shoot. That's a whole movie. It's uh, is it a porn? Are they making a really high? It looks, yeah, porn? it looks like a really high budget porn. He's the stand-in for Ron Jeremy. <laughs> they look exactly the same. <laughs> but the joke of this sequence is they're doing this really physical, sexy thing, but they're just talking about normal things, just having normal chit-chat. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, normally when I do this kind of thing, I don't have anyone to talk to, but they have chemistry, and they're just they're just nice people. And that whole um, thread ends with him, um, I guess, on Christmas Eve, asking her out or be like, I want to be, like, be with you. And she's like, oh, nice. And they don't hook <laughs> up or anything, because it's, it's funny, because they spend all the time pretending to have sex. Mm-hmm. But when it actually comes to it, they're just normal people, and they just want to take it slow. Mm-hmm. Except then we see them at the airport, and they're engaged. Yeah, that was quick. <laughs> the next day, right? This this was Christmas Eve that he asked. It's her a out. month later, remember? Oh, because it's all after Christmas. The airport stuff is a month later. Right, For some reason, right. everyone is coming back from New York to London a month later. Everyone on the same flight. On the same flight for some bizarre reason. Alan Rickman's on the flight. Joanna was on the flight. Colin was on the flight. Because everybody was just going to New York post 9-11. Like, we got to see what happened. Even though Colin went to Wisconsin, I guess his flight connected to New York. (laughs) His lovely Januaries in New York that everyone wants to go enjoy. (laughs) Uh, Of course, uh, Colin Firth is there with Aurelia and Mm -hmm. they're... uh, Meeting up, but they're friends that you forgot they were friends with. Oh yeah, because <laughs> everybody's friends in this movie. And then we have a little epilogue of um, families meet at the airport. Q um, was it? God only knows. It's a Beach Boys. Yeah, yeah. You didn't earn that. <laughs> and I think a lot of people see that, um, and they're like, "Oh, this is so sweet." This is all about family, even though you just watched 135 minutes of the horniest movie ever made. <laughs> And that's it, man. That's a Christmas classic. I'm so glad they didn't do like a Love Actually. That's a Valentine's movie, and then a Love Actually. You know, that's... well, I mean, they did Valentine's Day. Yeah, New but you Year's know, Eve. I feel like those movies are kind of indebted to the success of this movie. I'm gonna guess they're Gary not Marshall, as you hack though. fraud. Yeah, I'm gonna guess they're not as offensive. This is weirdly offensive because this is a trend that I've seen in a lot of, or at least the three, the two other Richard Curtis movies I've seen since this movie. Is Richard Curtis has this weird hang-up about the I got to make male wish fulfillment movies because <laughs> I think About Time, which is made a handful of years later, is even worse than this movie. Maybe not as worse because it's not as much, but it does sound like it's a movie about a guy using time travel to manipulate a woman into falling. In yeah, love and he never him. tells her in the yeah, whole movie. At least in this, all the women are willing participants yeah. making decisions. <laughs> about Time is about a super villain who can manipulate reality. <laughs> 
Yesterday, again, another guy who has like like basically as fantasy comes true and everything works out for him. But it's not he doesn't usually to exploit a relationship, though I would say the female characters in that movie aren't super strong. But that one's not as bad. But you gotta watch out for Richard Curtis. Like who knows what creepy fantasies What's he's his got. Relationship status. Has he been happily married for forty years? That's an excellent question. Let me take a look here. I mean, he could be just a totally nice guy just when it comes to relationships, which is what he writes about. He just doesn't know. Uh, he is... He has a country house with a woman who's a script write, editor, and broadcaster. Um, no, I can't find anything that... I think just maybe two different marriages or two long-term relationships. Nothing. Nothing of note. Uh yeah, but he's uh he's big over there, man. He's a big name. He makes big big comedies. He got all the actors in Britain to be in this movie. Yeah. Uh after this, he uh, he adapted um Richard Jones the Edge of Reason and he directed The Boat That Rocked and he wrote War Horse, About Time, wrote Trash, uh worked on the story for Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again and then wrote the script for Yesterday. That's what we got. I think that there's a, a Love Actually spinoff Red Nose Day, actually, or something mm. for that holiday, Red Nose Day. Uh, I, I meant to watch it for this, but I didn't get around to it. So I don't really know what to do with that is. But yeah, and that's Love Actually. Is it deserving of its status as a Christmas classic? No. Nah. Yeah, I nah. think my theory about it is that... It's kind of for people who want to watch Lifetime movies, but they're not, they won't sink to those lows because this movie, like, you know, the production value's better. Obviously, it has much better acting than in a Hallmark movie. And also, like, tonally, it, it feels a little smarter, I guess, than those movies, even though it, it goes in some weird places. <laughs> um,. So I think it kind of taps into people's like wish to just watch kind of cheesy romantic holiday movies just about pretty people falling in love, but like they just, they want it to be like a little good, <laughs> like not complete trash. There's moments that I like in this movie. Yeah. They're there. There's moments. Is there a really romantic Christmas movie that you like? Because I can't for the life of me mm. think <laughs> of a really romantic. One, I mean, Christmas movie I guess like I like. shop around the corner, mm. or uh, you know, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street has a romance plot kind of in there. I mean, so does Elf. At, if, if we're going that far down, but one that's strictly a romance, I don't know. Uh, you've got Mail is kind of Christmas movie in one part. I did just watch Carol. Male manipulation. Carol, which has actually kind of a sweet ending. It, it seems like a movie that ends tragically, man. but yeah. it doesn't. It's a nice movie. That's a great. That's a great choice. They're out there. So, gotta be. I mean, maybe that's a part of it, though, is that there's just not a lot of great <laughs> Christmas rom coms. And that's a popular genre year-round. I think you're right. People need to tap into that. Like, they need to write good rom-coms about Christmas, or that have Christmas in it. I find a lot of the best, my my favorite Christmas movies are the ones that are sometimes just, Christmas is there, but it's not necessarily about Christmas. Sure, yeah. But my point is, like, I would rather watch this again, right now, even though we just watched it, than watch something like Four Christmases or The Holiday again. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man, especially Four Christmases. (laughs) 
That movie is. You, you want to find a movie that hates women? <laughs> Watch like three different families just like totally be the worst people imaginable. Therese Witherspoon. But it's funny because she's like standing on the box to try to be as tall as Vince Vaughn yeah. on the poster. Or standing on a pile of presents or some bullshit. I don't remember. It was all worth it for that poster. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's it. And we don't have a, a pick for uh, for our next episode because our next episode is already picked. That's right. It's the Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker special. Hopefully we'll have some exciting guest stars to record. Ooh, I'm really excited for this episode. That episode, guys. It's it's going to be wild. It's, it's a big day. I'm looking forward to sharing it with my friends. I'm hoping my little pick can be cats, too. Hopefully I can find some time to see cats <laughs> in there. Yeah. We'll have to work out the logistics of when we're recording this. Um, but don't worry about that, listener. It'll all be fine. Sometime after Christmas. At least around Christmas, you can listen to this. And if you want to listen to any other episodes, you can head over to mildlypleased.com or search us on iTunes and search Mildly Pleased, and you can find this podcast along with other podcasts. And, um, you know, just listen, have fun, and hear about love. Actually. Actually.